Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm from California, now living in Beijing. Today with me is Bebe. Hi. Hello, Bebe. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm okay. You're okay? Yeah, a lot going on. Uh, crazy news all around the world. So um, let's let's get straight to it because we have so much stuff sure. to share today. Yeah. Three train derailments all took place in Ohio, Texas, and South Carolina within days of each other. The plot thickens as one of the derailments is spewing a allegedly hazardous fumes into the air and allegedly seeping into the water. According to ABC News article entitled, there were more toxic chemicals on train that derailed in Ohio than originally reported on February 14th. Even stranger, very few U.S. media sources gave the toxic event much coverage and there are bizarre details emerging. Perhaps the most bizarre, which was covered by multiple outlets, is a recent movie which I saw by Adam Driver or with Adam Driver called White Noise took place in Ohio, including residents of Palestine, Ohio in 2022, replicating almost an identical accident. That is freaky. It is. That's, uh... So, um, yes, let's get into this, Jason. Well, I want to talk about what you just mentioned. It's really interesting because I'm on Twitter and YouTube a lot and it's all over mm. YouTube. It's all over Twitter. But then you go to like the CNN main page and it's not there. So mm. it's really bizarre. I mean, even there... There was an article about the new Batgirl movie on CNN's like main page. So it wasn't like that there was a lack of space. It's just this hmm. incident, this derailment is this not is, being covered. This is another reason why there's so much coverage about the weather balloon. Mm -hmm. Like It completely overshadowed um, this thing, you know, mm -hmm. that happened. That's so much more important, at least for um, Americans. I think everyone knows now, well, most people know that there was mm -hmm. a massive train derailment in Ohio and about... 10 or 20, the different report, different reporters report different numbers uh, of those cars that crashed and leaked chemicals, toxic chemicals into the air, according to uh, the New York Post, into the ground and the air and the water. Uh, mm. Apparently, this is the name of the article, Animals Falling Sick Dying Near Hellish Ohio Train Derailment Site. And if anyone's who's seen the photos, there's a huge black plume of smoke, mm -hmm. which was which was from a what they call controlled burn. But apparently... Mm. 5,000 residents from local town Palestine, Ohio, were evacuated for a few days until they were told that they could safely return. Many of the residents did not return. And at one of the local residents named Holzer, H-O-L-Z-E-R, said, out of nowhere, discussing animals on his farm, he kept keeps mm. foxes, he just started coughing really hard, just shut down, mm. he had liquid diarrhea, and it went really fast. Others say chickens and cows are dying and a cocktail of mm. dead chemicals including highly toxic vinyl chloride and hydrogen chloride spilled from according to New York Post 50 cars in New York's Southern Railway train derailed en route to Norfolk. Pennsylvania Nor uh, Norfolk Southern Railroad Norfolk Southern New Railroad yes. thank you thank you and, okay. and according to uh, Ashok Kumar Professor Ashok Kumar inhaling vinyl chloride fumes can induce dizziness, nausea, headaches, breathing complications, and according to others, can cause cancer. This is Professor Kevin Christ, the director of Ohio University's Air Quality Center, noted that the chemical can cause cancer of the liver and other organs. So this is not some minor event. So that's why it's very bizarre that it's not being covered better. Yes. And we like, I think people have uh, a few big questions. First of all, why so many crashes? I mean, even one, right, is big enough, is disastrous enough. And this is not a single event. And not just for this year. I think in the past uh, years, there have been many train crashes across the U.S. And second question is, why isn't this reported more urgently? 
urgently and more broadly because it's such an important issue. Um, and also, you know, questions that, you know, why aren't we looking into the railroad business to find out what's causing this? Um, mm. It's not an individual event. Well, so, I mean, I want to go questions. further into this event and what happened a little mm-hmm. bit because other sure. reporters have because you might think, OK, there was only there were only a couple of toxic chemicals here. And so I think that we need to really delve into this because ABC News mm. uh, said that, quote, there were more toxic chemicals on the train that derailed in Ohio than originally reported. So and mm. it, among the substances were ethanol, glycol, monobutyl. I, I probably butchered that. Ethyl mm. isobutylene and more. Mm. So uh, this highly volatile, colorless gas produced for commercial uses spilled out of. And this one says after 50 cars derailed. So it doesn't say how many of those cars were carrying chemicals versus those that were. And it said mm-hmm. that uh, Norfolk Southern also did not label the cars as carrying hazardous materials. Exactly. Right. I it's, think it was um, in, in a press conference by the governor of Ohio. He said he learned that the train was not considered high hazardous material train. So uh, the railroad wasn't required to notify anyone about mm-hmm. what was in the train cargo. So car, some cars had hazardous material and most of them did not. So the whole thing wasn't considered to be carrying high hazardous material wow. train. And I think the railroad company knows exactly what they were doing. You know, maybe there is like a, a percentage um, where they don't have to report. So I, I hopefully, you know, journalists are going uh, to find out more details about that. Well, we have a friend of the show, Andy Borum. He's a columnist for Shanghai Daily. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting thinking about these hazardous chemicals traveling across the United States and that they're not lab- labeled hazardous is that mm-hmm. he mentions that in 2013, vinyl chloride uh, is not allowed to cross city or provincial lines, except in very rare and special instances, which require layer upon layer of approval, and that China has implemented a system whereby vinyl chloride is made on site when needed from calcium carbide, which itself mm-hmm. is much safer to transport. So I mm-hmm. think that there ha- there's probably a great deal more regulation needed, and that may mm-hmm. have been one contributing factor to this crisis. So you, ju- so you said in China, like this material, vinyl chloride, can yes. be transported across it, provinces it or cities. It can in extremely special Dream. circumstances if you get like so many sets of permission that it makes it like pointless to try to do it. I see. Yeah. And I read somewhere that one of the gases uh, was used to kill like over 75,000 soldiers in World War One. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know the, the name of this particular it's, gas, but it's, it's one the of chem- them. It's the gas that's produced from the burning of the vinyl chloride. Oh. So when they, okay. pr- when they did this quote unquote controlled burn that's at the mm. that's the time when they asked the residents to leave when the mm. burning stopped they said oh everything's fine go on home to which people said, uh, no. Well, I would be suspicious, right? Especially if animals are dying. Mm. And also they said the vinyl chloride, uh, they it's showing up in Ohio River and also West Virginia, West wow. Virginia and Cincinnati, like hundreds of miles away. Really? And yeah, and because of this um, opaqueness, like how the media is not really reporting such, an, such a uh, disastrous incident, mm. I think people are getting even more suspicious. Mm. You know, if they were more open about about it if they weren't arresting uh what's the name of that jimmy no landers right Evan landers from from reporting people would probably be more trustworthy but you know well i want to give some context to that because i don't want to be accused of taking things out of context he apparently Mm -hmm. he wasn't exploring the site which some people have said you didn't say that he was just working well he the mayor was going to give a speech and he was summing up the uh his broadcast and the mayor Mm -hmm. asked him to be quiet and he didn't he finished mm. his broadcast so the police arrested him brought him apparently into the hallway where they put him on the floor and cuffed mm. him to which people were saying this is wrong while they mm-hmm. were uh, like, arresting this journalist because he was on a live show like That's it was correct. supposed to happen at 3 p.m like i think the other the mayor was supposed to speak earlier i think something like that mm. but his show was scheduled at 5 p.m so he was just doing his job yeah let's go on we we have a lot more to I- cover You're listening to The Bridge. 
talk about the movie very briefly because oh. it's it included a lot of the residents of Palestine, Ohio. It came mm-hmm. out last year. I watched it a month ago. So when mm-hmm. I saw the pictures of the cloud of smoke, it looked almost identical to the movie. For the first few hours oh. that it was on social media, I ignored it because I thought, wow, mm-hmm. this movie got really popular. But apparently mm-hmm. it was in fact... Something that's almost identical because in the movie, people are trying to escape the town after they've been told to evacuate because there's there are burning chemicals outside of the town of Palestine, Ohio. Then Mm -hmm. this same thing happens in reality the year after the movie is released. I mean, the same place. It's absolutely, you know, I think it must be because what you mentioned towards the beginning of the show that these derailings are becoming so common that you can predict that this kind of thing is inevitable. Mm. Well, and actually... Um, Well, it gets a little bit complicated. If it wasn't because of protests by railroad workers back, I think it was uh, last year, at the end of last year, the whole thing could be even worse. Um, I think in December uh, 2022, there were gatherings and protests um, to stop the precision scheduling, uh, wait, to stop PSR, which stands for Precision Scheduled Railroading. We we can get into more details a little later. And also to um, maintain the number of crew on trains mm-hmm. um if the if it wasn't because of those protests things could get worse because they were the railroads were looking to decrease the number of crew on the trains to just one person mm. and the whole thing now at the time of the crash there were three crews on board and it, it was you know it would be much better than one to um in the aftermath so uh the protests were useful in some way it could be a lot a lot worse mm-hmm. yeah I think this is really okay. So I just want to go over really quickly to establish what we're talking about. February 14th, this is just days later, according to foxcarolina.com, a train derailed uh, in, I'm hoping I'm getting this pronunciation right, a nor, a noree, South Carolina. Another mm-hmm. article from HoustonPublicMedia.org says that in the Houston area, a crash between a truck and Union Pacific train kills driver and derails 20 plus rail cars. Gosh. So these are just three of the incidents that have occurred recently. I was thinking, can you imagine things like this happening in China? And it's not like not even making the top news. Mm. I mean, three train crashes. Are you kidding me? Within but days. Anyhow, uh, within but but days, the other yeah. ones, I, to our knowledge, are not carrying toxic and hazardous material. So I think that's what but makes... that says a lot about infrastructure. Right? Absolutely. It's, trains right. derailing is not supposed to happen. So I just mm. I have another article here before we get into the the whys. This is uh, Newsweek.com by Thomas Kika. More than a dozen trains have derailed in the U.S. this year. So Mm. it says that there was a fiery crash. It mentions the one that we're talking about. And three in total occurred in South Carolina and one in Salt Lake City, one in Loris. I'm not sure which state. It doesn't mention. Uh, Two Mm. crashes in remote parts of California. It mentions the one in Inori. A pair Mm. of derailments in metro areas in Detroit, Michigan. Mm. And finally, one in, oh, sorry, three, one Alabama, one in Alaska, oh, four, one in Louisiana and one in Texas. And according to the Bureau of Transportation Statistics, it found that between, oh, found that 54,539 train derailments occurred in the U.S. between 1990, 2021, an average of 1,704 per year. Oh, my gosh. Are people not connecting the dots? Are we doing? anything about this i think i think you're right people are not connecting the dots because i and i'm an american i spent my whole life there i had no idea this was happening you hear about it maybe every year or two one train derailing and you assume okay since that's what the news is telling us that's must be like the story but apparently Uh, the story is much 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 bigger than that uh, who do you think are trying to cover that up i i don't know i'm not sure i think maybe i'm trying to be fair so let's Mm. say you live in uh Modesto, California, where I'm originally from, and there's a mm-hmm. train derailing that's just, just a few cars being knock, knocked off the tracks and perhaps one person dying in Michigan. Maybe the person writing in a local paper in Modesto doesn't think it's newsworthy to talk about this derailing in Michigan. And so it's just kind local. of a whole bunch mm-hmm. of local accidents that no one really has sewn together. But this huge mm-hmm. toxic event that happened recently gives me, you know, pause. And I'm really wondering how could this not be national news? Hey, um, just a little extra uh, piece. So, 
Norfolk Southern Railroad that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, the report saying that workers actually got warning about uh, the technical issue because it was, I think, the accident. They think it's caused by one of the um, huh? What do you call this? Uh, like the particular part? It, do you remember the Jason, switch like track? In one I'm of the articles? Sure. I don't know. No, no, I, I didn't. No, read. it's part of the train. Mm. While you're we, looking that up, I can talk a little bit about a Guardian article, which set is entitled "Ohio Catastrophe is a Wake-Up Call to the Dangers of Deadly Train Derailments." And I think that's where we are, you and I, right now. Apparently, according to the Guardian, which it did a better job than any American media, it said, "quote Ineffective oversight and a largely self-monitoring industry that has cut mm. the na- nation's rail force to the bone in recent years, right. as it puts mm-hmm. record profits over safety, is responsible for the wreck." Said Ron Kaminko, an Amtrak mm. locomotive engineer and former Norfolk Southern freight engineer. So it's about profit. It's about we want money. Well, if we just lay off these people, then we can have more money. And that is yes. the, the outcome is one of the worst, most toxic events in U.S. history. Yeah, I'm going to add to that. So I was going to say that Norfolk Southern Railroad, they actually posted record earnings for mm. the fourth quarter last year and also yearly profit. But part of it and, and they also uh, bought back, I think, 10 billion uh, of their own stocks, like 10 billion dollars of their own stocks. And usually uh, companies do that to boost their current stock prices. Mm. But at the same time, like their workers, um, sick leaves weren't even being approved. I'm not too sure if it's like across the board or just mm-hmm. uh, a few cases. So it's um, they're doing everything they can to increase their short term profits. And of course, it's not just for the railroads. And I think the railroads over the past years have, you know, I, I, have, I have information here. The railroad stocks have greatly outperformed the broader market in the past 15 years. And this took place despite the major deterioration of coal volume, um, the railroad's historical business. That money's got to come from somewhere, right? And mm-hmm. they're just cutting costs and not maintaining services and mm-hmm. also the uh, safety protocols. Mm-hmm. Everything they can think of to make their quarterly reporting uh, look a little bit better. And of course, that's not just for the railroad business. It's across the board. I'm telling you, Jason, like mm-hmm. in the U.S., the whole thing is like being hijacked by by Wall Street, mm-hmm. by finance. They I just think, want the, the numbers, you know, I in think the, next the average American agrees with us. I agrees with what you're saying. The average American feels the same way. I mm. want to drive this home for all of my American brothers and sisters. So apparently 4.5 million tons of toxic chemicals are shipped by rail each year, just in the unit US, and an average of 12,000 rail cars carrying hazardous materials pass through cities and towns each day, according to the mm. US Department of transportation. So if we're talking about a collapse in infrastructure, corporations firing people and not following proper protocols like labeling containers that contain hazardous materials as hazardous, and these are traveling through populated areas like cities and towns in the United States. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked about this particular issue much about uh, transportation, Mm -hmm. but if we Americans don't start to take a very close look at what's going on in logistics in the United States, there are a lot of future potential crises like this coming. Oh, definitely, definitely. And also the reason why, why are like people, private companies and the government not putting into infrastructure? They're starting to do it now, which is already rather late. It's because it takes so long, right, for businesses to make a profit from investing in infrastructure. Like the whole society, the U.S., the whole business culture is to uh, shoot for short-term benefits as soon as possible, right? So, and, and also the business is dominated by shareholders instead of benefiting the common population or benefiting customers. So this whole engine that's leading the economy um, is going to skewer things um, toward helping the elites making more money or helping the people who have the capital make more money. Mm-hmm. But of course, I guess that's just part of capitalism. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. 
there is an endless debate in the United States about how much regulation co- companies need. And it's usually after a crisis that regulations come into play so that they generally increase, for example, with the stock market. When After 2008, more regulations went in as opposed mm-hmm. to before the crisis. Of course, those were, are slowly being stripped away by wealthy interests. And we every American knows this. Anyone American who's paying attention. So it's always a balancing act in the United States about, well, how much profit can wealthy people extract from the system and how safe can we make the system, which is what strikes mm-hmm. me about this event. Uh, this is from Amanda Breshears of North Lima, Ohio. My video camera footage shows my chickens were perfectly fine before they started the burn. And as mm-hmm. soon as they started the burn, my chickens slowed down and they died. If mm-hmm. it can do this to chickens in one night, imagine what it's going to do to us in 20 years, which may be why people don't want to go back. But what's really interesting mm-hmm. is you would expect a crisis like this in America, you know, an environmental catastrophe in Ohio mm-hmm. to be national news so that the public mm-hmm. could be made aware that more regulation, safety protocols are needed. And what mm-hmm. is really striking about this event is that it's not national news. So it's unlikely right. that more regulations are going to come into play, which means this is this is, they're going to have to mm-hmm. have more catastrophes in the future before mm-hmm. people start to realize that, hey, this is a structural system wide problem. Mm-hmm. And also the most interesting thing I found from my own research is regarding PSR, precision scheduled mm-hmm. rail rolling. Do you think we have time to Absolutely. cover that a little bit? Please. Okay. So here in this video that I that I saw, here are some interesting things. I'm going to explain what PSR is later, but hear this first. Before PSR, you know, people who check the railroads and people who check the cars, they had about two minutes per car. You know how cars are like somebody, like a railroad worker uh, would inspect the cars, right? Yeah. So before PSR, they had about two minutes, but post PSR, they had only 30 to 45 seconds to check each car. So that's number one. Number two, the cars are getting longer and longer and longer, mm. like by the miles. And I think from my numbers, from 2008 to, to 2017, some of the train companies, their trains, uh, the length of trains has increased by 25%. Mm. This is from like a research by US government accountability office. So the trains are getting longer and they're getting heavier. That's number two. And then third, in the past, before PSR, precision scheduled rail rolling, the combined or mixed transportation trains were completely separate from like regular trains for transporting commodity. And now they are combined mm. for efficiency, right? Combined according to need. And also there are not enough people working on trains and they're requiring trains to go faster and faster. It's all about efficiency, right? Mm. And they say the, this video, according to research, if the trains were not that long, if there are more people spending a little more time inspecting the trains, then the trains probably will not derail. And also, even if it, you know, derailed, uh, the mm-hmm. crash wouldn't be as bad. And also the they suspect that for in one of the cars, one of the axles, I think it was, uh, it's called axles, mm-hmm. uh, part of the train had problems. It was heating up too much. Mm-hmm. And this is like a, a mechanical problem, mm-hmm. you know, like 19th century style mechanical problem. Mm-hmm. And another point is that the trains, the weight of the train was mm-hmm. very uneven. So normally, let's say pre PSR, yeah. the trains would be heavier in the front, you know, where the yeah. you know, the engine, right? They would be heavier in the front and lighter in the back. But this particular train, like 40% of the weight was concentrated in the like last two third uh, section of the train. Mm. So when the derailment happened, the heavier part in the back were literally crashing into the front, mm. which was lighter, making things even worse. And these are some, you know, things that should not be. And also um, the railroad company, actually, they suggested that they decrease the number of train crews from three person per train to one. Mm. Like they would be running the trains like automatically, probably maybe in a a few years into the future, just like automation Mm. uh, for everything. Also, in the past six years, some of the major railroad companies, I think they laid off about one third of their workers. And of course, what they want is fewer workers, longer trains, heavier loads. And they feel 
like we don't need that many um, people to check the trains mm-hmm. or, or, you know, mechanics or engineers. And, and they basically just want every single worker to do as much as possible, like making them like machines, of course, uh, all of us. Mm-hmm. What exactly mm-hmm. is PSR, Precision Scheduled Railroading? Mm-hmm. According to a definition that the railroad companies like, this is the operational method of running a railroad for maximum asset utilization by which freight movements are scheduled and managed on the individual car load rather than entire train level. So in the past, each train were considered a um, whole entity, whole unit, and they were checked likewise, you know, considered as a whole. Mm. But now they are just parts, you know, they're managed on individual car load basis. That contributes to efficiency improvements uh, by, for instance, using direct point-to-point routing, bypassing classification terminals, and having the flexibility to use long mixed commodity trains. And by the way, this article I found is from freightwaves.com. That was the definition that the railroad companies like. Um, there are other definitions. PSR is a slash and burn removal of expenses and headcounts, or it's a positive shareholder reaction, you know, buzzwords for the railroads to make themselves Richard. not to consumers. Yeah, to market themselves to uh, the Wall Street instead yeah. of to consumers. And uh, basically, what can be agreed upon is that PSR generally involves eliminating classification yards. Um, but it's something I think they, they wanted to eliminate. And consolidating these dispatch centers, greatly reducing headcount and reducing capital budgets with the ultimate objectives of greatly improving a railroad's margins and returns on invested capital through greater asset utilization. And what are the benefits of PSR? Well, margin and capital efficiency improvements. They have created billions of dollars of shareholder value. And as I mentioned, um, railroad stocks have outperformed the broader market in the past 15 years. But what are the criticism of PSR? Well, number one is that it's short-sighted, uh, placing near-term improvements in margins ahead of longer-term concerns. And by deeply reducing headcounts and capital expenditure budgets, the railway may not be able to effectively handle a surge in rail traffic volume in strong economy, not to mention the safety of uh, of the trains. And also, it's not doing anything good to uh, customer service and also to uh, like volume growth in the long term. And in this article at the end, it mentioned that um, there's this one company not involved in PSR, which is uh, Burlington Northern Santa Fe BNSF, not involved with PRSA. And the reason is because it's uh, this railway is private mm-hmm. rather than public. Mm-hmm. And also this company was invested by Berkshire Hathaway. Mm-hmm. They acquired the company in 2009. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it shows a huge difference, right? All the public ones, because of pressure from raising sharehold value, um, they adopted PS uh, PSR. So you get the picture, right? Yeah, I get the picture that is just cut after cut after cut. You're listening to The Bridge. The people who are aware of it are still, you know, reporting on it. It's still very much trending in social media mm. right, right now, I today, so. as of this morning, even though mm-hmm. uh, the major media outlets are, are giving it very limited coverage. Apparently, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency said Monday, days ago, that mm. they, there were no detections of concerning levels of toxins in the air quality. And uh, obviously, the it said the EPA said residents may still smell smoke or odors from the site uh, mm-hmm. and that they should get screened accordingly. A lawsuit filed by residents there says that the rail operator should pay for medical screening and related care for anyone within a 30 mile radius of the crash site, according to the Associated Press, which I think is um, I ho- really hope that this lawsuit wins because mm. they're not just talking about detecting the possibility of chemicals in your body. But what if you get cancer 10 years from now? Or what if you get cancer from Mm. this 20 years from now? That should still be covered by the railway or associated entities that are responsible for these these damages. And so... You mean the residents are paying for their own health screening right now? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Oh, okay. Well, I uh, hope... (laughs) 
hopefully at least this part can be paid by uh, whoever caused the, you know, the crash or the disaster. I, I think that mm. the anyone who chooses to go back and follows the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, and I'm not an expert, so I'm not telling you whether to do that or not. I personally wouldn't. But I, I think that if those people choose to go back or maybe that's their only option, then mm-hmm. they should definitely have their medical care as related to this incident covered for life. Because mm. if they go back to live near this this toxic event and then they develop cancer in a decade or two, that mm-hmm. is the responsibility of firstly, the, the company, the train companies involved or the the, chem, the chemical company that it was shipping this and possibly also the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency for saying that it was safe. And so right. any or all of these entities should take responsibility for the thousands of people living near the catastrophe. Also for these uh, residents, um, health problem is not the only problem. I remember in one of those articles is about this family who owns a cafe like a mile from where the burning was. Mm-hmm. And they were thinking about, you know, maybe we should just move away. But then, you know, where where will we get the money? Yeah. Right. And if they wanted to sell the house, who would buy the house now? Right. Knowing that there are hazardous materials. Yeah, on the ground. right. Exactly. Even though, you know, if you know, if it's in the air, you can say that, OK, you know, it'll go away. And but what if it's in the soil? And I'm sure it's in the soil. They say that they dug out the uh, poisoned soil or toxic soil. But, you know, who is to say uh, for truth and also in the in the water mm-hmm. and this will affect their housing prices. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, even, and their work. Even, let's say in the best case scenario, baby, there is actually mm-hmm. no chemical residue left over, which is unlikely, I think, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an expert again. But let's say, yeah, exactly. Who's going to trust that assessment? Do you, Based you on things unfolding so far. Yeah. You want to buy a mm. home f- five miles from there? I'm certainly not going to. Yeah. Thousands of dead fish in the river That's nearby. Right. Yeah, Chickens so. are dying. Cows are dying. Foxes are getting sick. And according but to- humans are okay. <laughs> so far. According to uh, CNN, uh, although authorities have assured the residents, and this was a buried article. I had to go looking for it. Although authorities have mm. assured the residents that any immediate danger has passed, some residents have mm. yet to return home. And they're worried about the longer term risks that environmental officials are only beginning to assess. So that is from the CNN article. Fish and frogs have died in local streams. People have reported dead chickens and shared photos of dead dogs and foxes on social media. They say they can smell chemical odors around the town. This is a terrible toxic event. And I I very much doubt the EPA's uh, assessment that everything's dandy. You could go plant some daisies outside. Yeah. And also um, in one of these articles, I think this is from Mm -hmm. theguardian.com. They mentioned oil train blast zone. Have you heard of this term? What? What? No. So it said in, in this incident, um, though no one died in the accident, oh, the I catastrophe remember, yeah. serves as a wake-up call to the potential for more deadly freight rail derailments. Mm-hmm. And by one estimate, 25 million Americans live in an oil train blast zone and have a derailment occurred in like just a few miles east. It would be burning in downtown Pittsburgh with like tens of thousands of residents in immediate danger. Wow. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing oil train blast zone. That means like if in the unlikely possibility of an oil train catching on fire, then there is a zone of danger, right? If, if there is an explosion. I mean, the reason why they did the burn was to avoid a huge explosion. You know, there is a circle of danger mm-hmm. um, and it shouldn't really be close to a big city such as Pittsburgh. And people can suffocate from crude oil uh, mm-hmm. fumes, but there was an incident in Quebec in Lac-Manic. 47 people were killed in this town in 2013 when a runaway train exploded. And in February 2020, a crude oil train, which is similar to what you're talking about, derailed and exploded in Saskatchewan. And an Mm. ethanol train in Kentucky derailed and burst into flames a week later. So oh my gosh. These, Can yeah. somebody do something about this? Connecting the dots and let's, uh, well, let's like my, investigate my, and my find out why? My question is this. You and I, we talked 
more than one time about how the former Congress and the current White House administration passed a $1 trillion infrastructure bill. And so far, we've heard a few stories about a bridge here, a footbridge there, or a downtown area here, things like that, small mm-hmm. issues here and there that are being addressed. But it looks like we need $1 or $2 trillion just for the rail infrastructure in the United States. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Biden, President Biden, is a fan of Amtrak. So you would think that it would be high on his priority to maybe start correcting some of the issues with the logistics infrastructure as it relates to trains in the United States. Well, he also, uh, President Biden, signed a bill to block U.S. strike back in December of 2021. Yeah, that's right. I found this piece of information. It says just 22 train tank cars filled with LNG hold the same amount of energy as the Hiroshima bomb. What? Could you say that one more time, please? So all of us can really pay attention. So just 22 train tank cars filled with LNG hold the same amount of energy as the Hiroshima bomb. Wow. And a coalition of environmental groups wrote in comments to regulators opposing the LNG railroad change in 2020. Well, I want to... I want to add an idea of how serious I want to add to that because this is I have the same data here. The U.S. Transportation Department or DOT in 2020, and this is exactly the law that you were talking about, approved a rule to allow liquefied natural gas LNG to be shipped via rail with no additional safety regulations. So they're just, yeah, you want to ship toxic stuff across the United States and not label it and whatever. Go for it. That seems to be like law after law that is coming from departments, Congress, elsewhere. What is going on? Well, they probably spend millions, billions lobbying for their quote unquote rights. Wow. Um, and also, I, this reminds me of the length, about the length of uh, the trains. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you know about Candace Wagner? I do not. So the, in this piece of uh, information. I found that he suggested limiting 50 cars to each train. Do you know how long the train was, the one that derailed? No, I don't. I think the number I remember is 150. Wow. 150 cars to the train and 50 of them. Was it 50 of them that derailed? And also he suggested Mm -hmm. that add the number of uh, increased a number of train crew to four Mm -hmm. um, with two in the front and at least two in the back instead of just three that we know now. Mm -hmm. And of course, the Railroad companies, well, only just one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Going back to what you were talking about about 10 minutes ago, uh, this is uh, from the Guardian article, I think. Rail companies laid off more than 20,000 rail workers during the period of 2018 mm. to 2019, the biggest right. layoffs in rail since the Great Recession. So that was 2008. And the nation's rail force has dipped below 200,000, the lowest ever, down ever. from a million at its peak. So that means one fifth as many people are working on as much rail existed before. And mm-hmm. this is a quote from a gentleman named Kemenako. Just because the rail companies are profitable doesn't mean they're healthy. So I think, you know, Mm. a lot of people always look to the stock market, look to investors to see how the economy is doing. And this is a mistake. That is just one tiny data point about the health of the United States in terms of economically, people, all kinds of things. When this is happening, this is an indication that in 10 years, the infrastructure in the United States will be worse to the point where things like this are obviously more likely to happen. But how can the United States maintain healthy economic growth with logistics infrastructure like this? I mean, just putting aside the catastrophic meaning for local towns and cities, if this were to happen again, and is likely to happen again, it Mm. really does make me think, I'm sorry, you know, we need as the United States needs to reprioritize its budget a little bit and figure Mm -hmm. out how to upgrade these kinds of rail. And if they're incapable of doing that, there needs to be massive of regulations on the kind of substances that can be moved across that rail. This always leads to um, problem at the higher level. Um, I think a lot about short-term versus long-term investment, mm-hmm. like things that are good for the short-term, but not so good for the long-term. And basically, a lot of the things that are being done, especially in the U.S., is so focusing so much on short-term gain. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the faster, the better, the more money now, the better. Yeah. But the crucial elements to sustain a healthy society, you know, including healthcare and also education 
and infrastructure, things like these, they these are long term investments, and that is, and also they take a lot of input mm-hmm. upfront, but it takes a long time to to cover to recover. I mean, think about the high speed railroad、uh, system in China.、Mm-hmm. They're not really making money, and I think a lot of the lines are still losing money.、Mm-hmm. But that's not the point. The、mm-hmm. point is not to make money right away, right? right. It's it's to build the infrastructure strong and safe and connecting every single village in China,、mm-hmm. so that things can get moved, business can get started, right? Trade can start, and, and that, it takes time. What's that phrase to, about to you want, if you want to be wealthy? How does that go again? If you want to become rich, right? Build a road first. You know, I think a lot of Americans. I, I've actually gotten criticism. I've posted content relating to how impressed I am at the forty-two thousand、mm. kilometers of high-speed rail. The United States、mm. has none of which, none of this.、Mm. The response from a lot of Americans is, you know, they're losing money. I think Americans are so focused on pr- everything needs to be、sign. privatized, everything needs to be、mm. profitable that they're forgetting for efficiency. That, yeah, they're forgetting that you know, okay, the state is paying. For this deliberately and not privatizing most of it at all, because、mm. they want this, because the people want this, because this makes、yes. China stronger, this makes China's economy stronger, this makes the people happier. It doesn't matter if things are immediately profitable or even necessarily ever profitable. I don't think they expect it to be profitable in the recent years, and a lot of the、uh, investment that China makes、uh, domestically and abroad, they know that they are. Not going to be profitable for、yeah. like at least a few decades.、Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're sitting there drumming their fingers, thinking, "Oh gosh, I'm not making money from this railroad."、Mm-hmm. It's、mm-hmm. to be expected. This is what you do when it comes to long-term investment. And this、um, brings me up to、uh, the book recommendation I told you about. This Jason, it's、mm-hmm. called "The Impulse Society" by Paul Roberts.、Mm-hmm. It really sums up the root of the problem: how in a capitalistic environment, when everybody is afting the is after the dollar and the rat. Race gets faster and faster, and capital, you know, keep keep、uh, concentrating in the hands of the few. That's what happens, right? They will be chasing after,、um, you know, greater stock prices and、uh, a bigger number for the quarterly report. They would do anything if that's your goal. They would do anything.、Mm-hmm. But there are other ways to govern. There are other ways to、uh, sustain a healthy society. For example, here at least I feel that、uh, going after the dollar sign. Or the R and B sign is not the、um, the the final goal. The final goal is for people to live healthy, safe, happy lives. I don't know. It's such a simple thought, right? The goal is for people to live a better life, not to have a greater pile of money. I, sometimes I wonder why don't people see that?、Mm. Um, and if your objectives is different, if your goal is for people to have better lives and for a sustainable, longer future, like across generations. Then you would do things differently. You would not be totally just focused on short-term gains. So I really recommend this book,、uh, The Impulse Society. Maybe some other day we can talk more about it. But every like the things we see, especially、uh, this catastrophe,、um, it's just another example of what would happen. You know, if you're only focused on short-term gain,、hmm. like education, healthcare, infrastructure,、uh, these major things that sustain a society. How do you how do you expect them to be to be to improve? Right to get better. Yeah, you know, you I, just you need to devote to it. I don't mean to harp on the solution. As an American, I get very confused by this because I immediately look at this and I'm like, yeah, throw a trillion dollars at it, right? And then I also look at the fact. No, that it's the, not just about money, right? I'm also looking at the fact that the United States,、uh, my country, has 31、mm. trillion dollars in debt, and I'm like, yes, we absolutely 100% need to fix the rail issue some one way or the other. And then I'm like wondering. Can the United States afford it? And that makes me really question a lot of things about the health of the U.S. Like, how is、mm-hmm. it that we have thirty-one trillion dollars in debt? And yet, our infrastructure is falling apart to the point we're having how many train crashes? One thousand seven hundred and four train crashes per year, and some of them are leading to massive environmental catastrophes with toxic chemicals and hazardous waste traveling through cities. It's、mm-hmm. a lot to think about. I feel like Washington, even if if this was national news, which it's not, then、mm-hmm. Washington would pick it up and throw it about and talk about it for a month or two, and then move on to some other project and forget about it. It just doesn't. 
feel like things are moving along. You know what I mean? I get demoralized. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. I feel like the U.S. system has been hijacked by people who have the, who have money. And you mentioned the debt that U.S. have. I remember this. Um, the previous finance minister of Greece mm-hmm. once said, "Imagine there are two huge peaks, two huge mountains、uh, in the world. One is debt. Okay, so much debt, right? And the other is a whole mountain of wealth、mm-hmm. concentrated in a few people's hands. Yeah, It, you can't say that U.S. is not wealthy. U.S. is very, very wealthy. It's、mm-hmm. still the wealthiest nation in the world. It's just the wealth is so concentrated in the hands of a few people, and they become so powerful that people who have money are so influential.、Mm-hmm. They can literally, you know, buy、uh, their way into the government.、Yeah. Right? They so much money is spent lobbying, which I think in China will be literally illegal. Yeah. Right. And so much money is given to presidential candidates for、uh, their democratic election.、Mm-hmm. Can anybody see flaws in that system? I'm certain I mean, the people in, of in Ohio see the flaws in that system right now. A little bit more clearly now, with with the dark clouds over their sky, they can actually see things more clearly now.、Mm. Well, hopefully more people. But then the question is, what can people do about it? Because the people they don't have the power, they don't have the wealth to influence politics.、Mm. They can complain. See, one funny thing, Jason. We when we talk about freedom, right? In, in the West, in the U.S., you see people go on the street protesting, not、mm. just in the U.S. but also you see in France and in Europe, and it's a in a way it's a sign of health. Right? People have、uh, the right to voice their、um, complaints. Right? They have the right to get together and、uh, let their needs be known.、Mm-hmm. But not much happens afterwards. Do they have freedom? They do. They can shout out things about their president, well, but nothing happens afterwards. I feel the same way. But, actually, can I can I、right. add to this because I have a personal experience、sure. that is related to exactly what you're talking about. For for me,、mm. I'm against war. You know, war is not good. Of course. <laughs> I mean,、right. well, not everyone really is in the United States, and so、mm-hmm. we were about the United States, my country, while I was living in it. We're about to invade、uh, the sovereign nation of Iraq without permission from the UN Security Council, an illegal act, and millions、mm. and millions. We're talking about several million people protested in cities across the United States, and I was protesting、mm. in San Francisco, where I was living at the time. And、mm-hmm. in our city alone, we had a million people at our protest, and this was happening、wow. at cities all over the United States and the, across the world as well. In Europe, people were also protesting, getting ready to say no to the United States and its imminent invasion of Iraq. Well, what、mm-hmm. happened when we did that? What happened when we let our nation know, our leaders know that we did not approve of that action? Well, I think、mm-hmm. everyone knows that the United States invaded Iraq, and that the outcome of that war was beyond tragic. In Hundreds、mm. of thousands of people died. U.S. soldiers,、mm. civilians in Iraq, soldiers in Iraq, and the effect of that war、uh, lingers today in many ways as a global consequence of the United States action. And、mm. my feeling from that moment forward was that protesting in the United States is only a spectacle; that it does not have a significant impact on the, the decisions that our lawmakers make.、Mm. Um, the power that people actually have here. You know, in the West, you keep saying people here don't have freedom. What What do you consider to be freedom?、Mm-hmm. And even if you have freedom, do you have power to make changes? I think that's that's a real question. Freedom doesn't equal power, right? Well, actually, so, I mean, a lot of me and my、mm-hmm. Lawai friends. Sorry for those of you outside of China. A lot of me and the other foreigners living in China, we get together and talk about the fact that we do feel more free in China in a lot of ways. In so many other so ways, exactly. Ways like I can go out at night and I'm free、mm-hmm. from crime, or if I want to、mm-hmm. walk around with an open container of alcohol at any hour of the day or night, I can. <laughs> I'm not saying I want to. And I'm not going to honestly. I don't really drink anymore at all. But the the、mm-hmm. truth of the matter is, I have an enormous amount of freedom to do pretty much whatever、and、I want, except maybe get really, really super hyper political and carry a sign around saying some and also thing. and carrying drugs, or getting involved drugs or having guns. These are like zero tolerance. Right, China has right, zero tolerance for drugs and and guns. And think about the freedom that brings to、uh, to the population. Yeah, we don't ever have to worry about anybody having guns. Uh, or, or like carrying drugs, selling them to kids in school—that's、mm-hmm. just not on our minds. Yeah. From the definition of freedom to definition of、uh, of safety and rights, you know which right is more important? And when I was reading about.
about this uh, train derailment mm -hmm. and how even such a catastrophe is not really making national news. I had to go like look for things. Yeah, it was challenging. And that just that shows me like time after time, I wonder why in America it feels like lives are not that precious. Um, it's harsh for me to say this, but this is a personal feeling, Jason. Mm. I mean, I'm not asking you, but I'm like you hear news of gun um shooting right in, uh, in universities, just random acts of violence like that, and you hear it one day, and then it's out of the news cycle in in a few days. Another uh, round happens, and you know people it just kind of gets covered up by something else. One and has to wonder. COVID nineteen. One has right? to, so many lives well, lost. Just with guns, for an, one example, because this is, I think, is parallel to this train issue, which is getting worse all the time. Like gun violence and mass shooter instances have been increasing year on year every year for more than twenty years in the United States. What what does the future in ten years? And that's the same mm. with this train crash, this train wreck. It's not just a derailment. It's this train catastrophe. This environmental. Mm catastrophe. This is just a trend on the way to a worse place. What is going to happen in 10 years if all I mean, of these problems keep becoming exacerbated one after another? Mm -hmm. Is the is the outcome that Americans are just going to get used to it? Or is there going to come a point where Americans will say, well, we've had enough. Sorry, you have to fix these problems. But the, the question is, as we were talking about, how do people have the power to change things? Can we stop these um, uh, barons, railroad barons or from other industry finance uh, billionaires from changing policies, from influencing politics? Can we do that? If we can't, if we don't have that power to do that, then things are going to go their way. And I mean, in our di daily lives, who goes to read about railroads, right? right. Like, I mean, what is the classification? Um, I mean, even people, well-meaning people who really care about this issue, they have their own lives. Mm -hmm. They they work two jobs. Exactly. And, and in, in six months, they're going to have, we are going to be moved on to a new topic. So it, it exactly. is, it's very so, challenging that there are so many systemic issues uh, plaguing the U.S. at this so, point. Well, we're kind of out of time. Last thoughts by Bebe before we go. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I, it's just a personal, some personal venting because I'm, I'm very worried about this. Mm -hmm. But the feeling, uh, the dead feeling I have inside is that as much as we care and worry, nothing can be done about this mm -hmm. because we can't influence the system. And that worries me the most. That's, that's my ending note yeah. because I don't know what to do. Uh, yeah, I think both of us are on the same page. The solution to mm -hmm. this problem is not something that the bridge is going to be able to give our listeners today, but we can give you the information that you need to be aware of right. what's going on. Thank you so much for yeah, your I, time I still, today, baby. I still believe in the power of, um, you know, the, the wider population. Uh, the more more people know about this, the better. Tune All in right. next time. Thank we'll you, bring you a, a happier topic next time. Hopefully. Can we? Can we? <laughs> I'll, I'll try real <laughs> Let's hard. Let's hope. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jason. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.